You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello there and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. It's myself again, Colin Kelly here bringing you the show and I'm joined once again by my co-host here, Doug Moore. And uh, a very packed show we have here for you today. We're going to be joined by Graham Varfield in just a few moments from FantasyGuru.com and I'm really looking forward to having him on this show. Doug, since we had uh, the show last week, we obviously had Matt Kelly on and it got a lot of good reactions on uh, Twitter and and ended up in one of our most uh, downloaded episodes ever. So uh, I guess craziness sells uh, when we had Matt on. Uh, How have you been since that? Um, A lot more sane. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, no. Matt Matt is... um, I I just think that it's going to be quite a change of pace from this week as opposed to last week. Um, (laughs) But no, it's just... Matt is a mad genius, I guess you could say. He's one of the sharpest guys there is, uh, you know, and he does terrific work, but he is just something. He is just, I don't know how to describe it. He's just, he, he's got such a loud and, and outgoing personality, which you don't always see in the fantasy community. Let's be, let's face it. Most of us are, are nerds um <laughs> all of us so, are nerds <laughs> well it's true i mean i think so at least um i would i'm not gonna say all but i think most of us are um so no it, it, it was definitely a very fun show to do and and i know him and i got into some some uh a good a good spirited um arguments um i can't remember what it was but oh it was um what was it martellus bennett being a um oh yeah a top uh, ten tight end next uh, this season. Yeah, so, you didn't agree. Um, I, I did not. No, um, but you know, it, it, I think it's going to be you know just a different pace, and hopefully the the people, uh, our listeners, won't <laughs> won't uh, get disappointed all of a sudden because uh, you know we're we're talking like normal people again. <laughs> And uh, obviously when we do start the show, I'd like to thank all the listeners for tuning in each and every week. Uh, it is great, as I mentioned, you know, last week's show, such a, a good number of listeners, and it, it is very much appreciated, and we do thank you. And there's a lot of people over the last couple of weeks retweeting the podcast, sharing it on social media, and each and every retweet helps. Might gain us a couple more listeners each and every week, and as the numbers crawl up, we uh, appreciate that there. Leave us a written interview on iTunes or Stitcher, tune in, any of those good ways. Uh, it helps support the pod here, and uh, helps boost our ego a little bit i guess doug will say as, as the weeks move forward so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast that'll get it instantly once it's uploaded onto whichever your favorite uh, platform is and on today's show we're going to be doing a lot of running back talk we're going to be looking at some news for running backs contracts and so on and some thoughts that graham has had on running backs that he's been tweeting out over the past week we're going to be looking at some possible players for second year turnarounds and then we're going to be doing what we did over the last couple of weeks looking at some player adps giving you a couple of options and then we'll be uh, picking one out off the pair so looking forward to doing that on today's show uh, Doug, I mentioned uh, last week on the show that I was starting to get involved with some work with Rotoviz. They do fantastic work uh, on lots of different analytical stuff and uh, apps and so on that they have on rotoviz.com. But 
Uh, I'm proud to be uh, leading the way for their series of, uh, you know, they're looking at the 32 teams, previewing all 32. A beat writer has scheduled to come on from each team around the NFL, and we're doing, doing kind of 30 to 35-minute shows previewing each team. So whether it's your team or whether it's another team that you want to find out about, they're being released periodically. We started on Monday. I think there's four up already, and by the end of the week there should be eight up. So there's lots of good information. I recorded the Cowboys one with Drew Davison, uh, a beat writer for them this uh, yesterday, actually, and this year we're recording this show today on Thursday so lots of good information and if you want to find out more probably the easiest way to do it's on Twitter you can use the hashtag RV32 and uh, do check that out as I mentioned uh, I was approached uh, by Rodovez and Matthew Freeman over there to kind of help uh, organize it and uh, to work under him to kind of guide so we have a team of uh, 22 people working on it so there's a lot of stuff going into it so uh, be sure to check that out and uh, Doug, I know as well, today uh, you're also recording your other uh, favourite podcast, uh, The Locker Room Guys, you're recording it this evening, so you want to give it a plug while I'm here shamelessly plugging everything? Yeah, I was about to say, you're, uh, you, I think you're rubbing salt in the wound, I, I don't know, you're, you're bragging awfully much about no, Welcome to the Colin Kelly podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's funny enough, and, I, and I'll mention this, um, you, you had, show, you had um, tweeted out about, um, you know, top-rated... Um, fantasy football podcasts and i know that you know oh, yeah, for, i forgot was, to mention that as well yeah yeah so so we were i think it was like number 15 or something like that which oh, is, nah, uh, we, we, it was a 15 list and there was no uh, no numbers in it so we'll just say that oh, we were okay, sorry, we were in the 15 sorry, but we were in the top 15 um you know, great iron experts and um, and, um yeah and, and i i i didn't want to say anything um but I know what you're going to say. Lot of, you, you got a lot of mention, and your co-host of over a year now didn't get one word about him. The only thing I'll say, Doug, is last this time last year I wasn't on the list, and now you're here, and now we're on the list. So uh, no, 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 got to give you credit. Try, don't, don't, don't patronize me. Don't, don't try and tell me that. Oh, it's a, it's a, a year now and a year this. No, I didn't get shit. All right, and I, and I technically on an interim or not so frequent basis i write for those guys too so i got a lot to say no i'm kidding but uh no it's definitely a terrific honor to be mentioned on that list but yes going back to the original point uh yeah i am gonna be (laughs) recording the next locker room guys podcast tonight with uh lee Schechter. as always we've taken a little bit of hiatus it's been kind of tough just because training camp is just finally starting up but it's been a tough five-week stretch um but we are going to be having on Miguel Benzin, and a lot of people know him as Pat's cap. He's arguably the, the top salary cap, or at least team-oriented salary cap guy there is in, in I don't even know what you want to call it, in the entire football universe. Um, he's one of the top salary cap guys in general. Um, it's, going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Miguel's work, and um, we're definitely going to talk about some some uh you know a contract stuff you know now that we saw like today for example some money thrown around at like trey turner in, in carolina so um no it'll be a lot of fun but um yeah so that's that's what grinds my gears <laughs> is i didn't get shit and i gotta I, I gotta talk to jody and mike over there as to why the hell i didn't get crap well, maybe that maybe they were just rubbing salt in the wounds. They're like, let's take a shot at Doug. He's not writing enough for the site. But uh, no, Gridiron Experts. It was a very. I didn't even see it. It was somebody uh, tagged me in it uh, on Twitter. Just uh, you know, kind of 
quoted it and put an ad overtime Ireland on it and I've seen it that way so an absolute honour to be linked with such great podcasts there was podcasts like uh, around the NFL and there was a lot of different fantasy podcasts I know that um, the DLF podcast and so on were up there so it's great to be uh, mentioned along with those guys and something that I just wasn't expecting so uh, thank you again to the, the Great Iron Experts guys who, who put that together but uh, you know it's um, going to be interesting I want to hear that show too Doug this week Patriots are one of the teams that manage the cap so well so should be a fascinating show to tune into later in the week and uh, look for that and uh, of course uh, it is the Locker Room Guys podcast now back to the Overtime Ireland podcast Delighted to be joined now on the podcast by Graham Barfield. A lot of you'll know him from his great work at Fantasy Guru, where he is a senior fantasy analyst. He's also the author of Yards Created and a constant contributor to Roto World. So, uh, you know, the Roto World, uh, pretty much if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely know what Roto World is. So, Graham, uh, I mentioned uh, when we started this call that we've been trying to link this up for a while, but as I mentioned with the stuff you're doing at the moment, a very, very busy man. So, it's uh, our pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I feel bad. Like you guys have been asking for quite some time, and I keep giving you terrible, terrible excuses because I'm I'm super busy in the summer, and I'm really sorry. But I'm I'm really glad to be talking to you guys this afternoon for sure. Yeah, don't make us out to be begging all the time. But yeah, we have we have been looking forward to this for quite for, for quite not some at time. all, not at all. I, I just I just joke I just joke but uh, we have uh, a lot of little bits and pieces of news not nothing all that really exciting that's happened in the news the last couple of days but I'm going to run through bits and pieces there's a lot of running back stuff to get to. a couple of bits of news that come out uh, over the past two days I'm going to get to them for us because I think they'll probably take a little bit less time to talk through but uh, the Chargers uh, obviously uh, Mike Williams looks like he possibly will need back surgery there's conflicting reports at the moment but it's never a good sign for a rookie to be missing this amount of uh, any part of his season never mind basically all of training camp since he started and with the luck that he may uh, miss all of the season if he has to have the surgery so that's obviously not good for him two other small pieces in news was that Gary Barnage is going to be joining or going to be going to the Jags on Tuesday for a workout to see if he lands there I think it'll be a nice landing spot for him I'm surprised that he hasn't got picked up as of yet uh, with uh, getting cut by the Browns just after the draft and then uh, the last piece uh, of short news I'm going to talk about is the the Cardinals have signed Chris Johnson to a one-year contract he is now 32 years of age but should be the the primary kind of handcuff there in Arizona Bruce Arian seems to like him and his playing style and he kind of has evolved his playing style over the last couple of years but uh, has had a nice steady run there outside of his injuries uh, in Arizona with those three bits Graham I'm going to let you go first I'm, I'm guessing you're probably going to touch on Mike, uh, Mike Williams but uh, going through those three bits of uh, news any of those really stand out to you this week? Sure. The biggest one for me is Tyrell Williams and the Mike Williams situation. Um, I was on Tyrell Williams before the Mike Williams injury. And now that we are confirming that Mike will be out, um, I I think it's fair to say we're expecting him to start the year on the PUP, the physically unable to perform list. Uh, Tyrell Williams is a screaming value in fantasy football right now. Um, Last year, he broke out and was sixth, sixth among all qualified receivers and yards after the catch per reception and Williams also had 65 yards receiving and or a touchdown in 12 of 16 games last year two of which were against Detroit that he failed to have 65 yards and or a touchdown in uh, Tyrell Williams is going off the board I believe around wide receiver 45 to wide receiver 60 um, on some sites pretty much all around the fantasy community wherever you do your drafts i think that's going to take a massive jump 
yeah, that's going to take a massive, massive jump. Um, but I don't think there's necessarily going to be a point this offseason where Tyro Williams won't be a value because he was the wide receiver 21 in PPR points last year. I don't think he's necessarily going to get to that point. Um, so I, I think Tyrell will probably be a, be a pretty nice value all summer long for your fantasy drafts. Yeah, and obviously uh, Keenan Allen's coming back from injury, and I think he was a value, as you mentioned, even prior to this news because, you know, Mike Williams had already missed uh, the kind of the rookie minicamp portion after getting injured so early on in it. And then I, I just think that people are kind of overlooking what he did last year because a lot of people were saying, oh, well, Keenan Allen's coming back and he's not going to do the same this year. But I think now the, the target share and the opportunity is certainly there for him to have a nice, nice season again. So definitely a value, as you mentioned there. Uh, next up, we're going to go into some running back news and we have Ezekiel Elliott and there's obviously lots going on with him. Uh, there was talk over the weekend and it's pretty much already out of date that, the, that he was involved in an altercation in a bar with a DJ that has since kind of been dropped and it seems to have really been a lot about nothing I don't even know if Ezekiel Elliott was in the bar at the time but he has had a lot of stuff going uh, over the last kind of over the, the last year and a half uh, since the pre-draft process and uh, he's getting himself into a bit of trouble uh, I talked on a on the Rotoviz Cowboys podcast with Drew Davis who covers the Cowboys and he was saying as well that possibility of kind of linking him to a similar situation to what they had with Des Bryant and having a minder having Jerry Jones set up a minder to follow him around trying to keep him out of trouble uh, with Ezekiel Elliott and a possible one to two match suspension coming down the pipeline here have you been concerned with firstly what he has gone on off the field and then have you been kind of staying away from him or continuing to target him in uh, fantasy drafts with that possible one to two game suspension I'll be honest I have no idea what to make of uh, this entire situation. I will say, though, he is really, really tough to draft where he's going. Um, he's starting to slide just a little bit um, based on the ADP data that I look at, um, but it's very marginal. Um, Antonio Brown is still uh, going pretty much consistently. Around 40% of the time, Antonio Brown um, goes over Zeke Elliott. And for me, I, I just think based on the possible suspension that's looming that's the nfl's waited uh nearly a year to dole out um along with the um multiple kind of small run-in this offseason where zeke necessarily hasn't necessarily stayed out of the limelight and out of the media spotlight um i'm going to take antonio brown and julio jones over zeke um until we kind of get some certainty about the suspension now it's entirely possible the nfl doesn't suspend him at all, uh, again, it's just a really tough situation to get a full read on what Goodell and the NFL are going to do. But for right now, um, I think there's a legitimate argument to make. Antonio Brown should be taken over Zeke almost 100% of the time. Um, he's got an, an incredible ceiling and floor. And with Zeke's looming issues, I guess we could leave it as, um, yeah, he's a really tough guy to draft at his ADP. Yeah, and on that, uh, as I mentioned, the road of his show, I was talking with Drew Davis, who covers the Cowboys, and he was saying as well that, you know, with what it has gone on for over a year and there was no lead into the police investigation, it's very unclear as to what the NFL could actually suspend him for. So it's going to be interesting to see what actually does come of this, and I'm sure in the next kind of four or five weeks uh, it should be all clarified and we should have a, a lot better view on it. Doug, uh, I'm going to let you go next. We're going to look at Le'Veon Bell. And uh, Tom Telesco was talking about uh, the Steelers offering Le'Veon Bell over $12 million per year. So apparently $30 million guaranteed in those first two years. So it would be more than he would make if he was on the franchise tag for the next two seasons. He hasn't signed that tag yet as we head into training camp. But it looks like Bell isn't going to hold out for the season. 
what do you make of uh, the contract offer that has been rumored to Le'Veon Bell would you be going and offering that to a running back in today's NFL and uh, secondly do you think that uh, the Steelers and Bell get something done prior to the season here when you look at this deal and, and I would argue that running backs are probably the most volatile position when it comes to um, offering contracts and, and really valuing how much they're worth just because it, it changes all the time um, and plus you know they're one of them they're a position where you know you see a lot of injuries um, you know we've seen it with Le'Veon Bell even where he's suffered knee injuries that take him out of commission and his situation's even more complex because he's had off the field issues he's arguably one of the best he's arguably the best offensive player in football when he's healthy but the other problem is, is that, you know, like I said, off the field issues, he's had injury problems. Um, so it's just really tough to gauge. Um, I, I don't know. I, I can't sit here and, and, and talk from his point of view and say, well, he should have taken the money because it seems like it would have been the most that a running back has made because, you know, first of all, it's only being reported. But two, it's just a situation where who knows how much he can make on the open market with a team that really needs some offensive playmakers and could be desperate to, to get somebody like him, you know, next off season. And he's, th- you know, he could be uh, putting, throwing away money that he could have easily been earning somewhere else. So uh, I'm not worried about him when it comes to being ready for week one. Um, but, you know, it, it's just something to keep in mind where he may not be in Pittsburgh next season. I think it's somewhat of a realistic possibility um, if he looks at the open market and, and sees what he gets, which the cap is rising every year. Um, you know, it's. I don't think there's going to be as strong of a running back depth next year in the draft. Um, I don't know what free agents off the top of my head are going to be available. So who knows? But I, I think at least for 2017, he's pretty safe in redraft, uh, just like he always is. But it's something to keep in mind for Dynasty going forward. I think uh, when you look at Bell and the amount of money being offered here, I think it's pretty much clear there's the most money that's been offered to a running back pretty much since probably Adrian Peterson was hitting on some of his contracts a couple of years ago and it really at this time it, w- it would be a huge jump forward for a running back to be getting paid 12 million uh, annually if you look at Bell as well you mentioned his injury concerns when he's on the field obviously terrific but when he's not on the field which has been a quite a good chunk of his career I, I don't believe yet that he's finished an entire 16 game schedule in the NFL I could be wrong on that but it's it's something as well that the Steelers have to weigh up as well as his uh, you know drug infractions uh, last off season. So there's a lot to put in there. So Graham, with all that's been involved, uh, would you be concerned if you were the Steelers offering this amount of money? Do you think they would offer more if it was a case if he didn't have those injury concerns and off the field issues? And then finally, uh, with as we mentioned, kind of with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, are you just going straight ahead on there and taking Le'Veon Bell uh, right at the top of all those drafts, which I think pretty much all the listeners will be doing? Sure. So uh, from the top here, <laughs> as it regards this, yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, as it regards the Steelers, I think the only way they let him walk after this season is if he's really unproductive or he gets hurt. Um, Bell will be locked into $12 million, um, fully guaranteed. Next year, um, the Steelers don't have to offer him a long-term deal if they don't want to. The, the franchise tag for running backs next year, I think adjusted for the increase in cap, will be about $14 million, And they can just kind of continue to do these one-year deals with Bell and they don't have to uh, thump out, you know, $25 million plus in guaranteed cash. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense for the team to do that. 
Um, sure. Not only is Bell, um, it, it gives Bell more long-term risk because he won't be locked into a contract, but it still kind of gives him short-term contract upside because he's getting all of that money up front and fully guaranteed. As for fantasy, yeah, I'm plugging away on Le'Veon Bell. Um, I think David Johnson is the consensus number one just based off of his red zone usage. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers um, have a far more wide red zone usage tree than the Arizona Cardinals do. DJ is kind of like the only show in town, so to speak, whereas the Steelers um, are certainly run heavy when Bell is in, uh, but they still have Antonio Brown. They're getting Martavis Bryant back. So I think that's the clear delineation between DJ at one and Bell at two. But yeah, there's no denying. I mean, if Le'Veon Bell played his 2016, excuse me, if he played the full 2016 season at his pace he would have finished with 424 ppr points which <laughs> in this day and age is just absurd and that also would have beaten steven jackson for the second best fantasy season since 2006 bell is a hammer um he is an unbelievable fantasy asset and if he can put together 14 15 16 games um, even if he misses a few you're going to be more than happy with taking him at second overall and i think he's going to be locked in for another good season barring injury yeah i agree 100 percent. and you know you mentioned him and uh, dj there i think when you look at the two of them it's more a 1a and a 1b situation for me there and pretty much i'm happy to have the second pick and whoever doesn't go i'll take the other one and then progress as the draft goes on there but uh, it's going to be interesting if he can stay healthy to see what he could start to look for you know next year if the contract negotiations if he only signs the franchise tag this year what he could start to look for next year because at the moment uh, as you mentioned uh, Doug pretty much when he's healthy the best uh, running back in the NFL moving on to another running back and I know this is something that you tweeted out uh, over the last couple of days Graham you were talking about Ty Montgomery you tweeted that he forced at least one missed tackle on 55% of his attempts last year uh, in your yards created sample that you were doing for him just with the limited sample size, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Packers fan. There was lots of times last year where I thought, yeah, he looks really good at the running back position. And then I thought maybe with time to develop, he'll even improve more. But then there was times where it just didn't look like he, <laughs> he knew what he was doing. And how do you think with having that deeper look at him this offseason, how do you think uh, he looks heading into 2017? I liked Ty Montgomery as a running back more than I thought I would, um, and which is kind of surprising for me to say. Um, I guess let's just start at the top. He is a better inside zone runner than I expected. Um, and he's also excellent at avoiding tackles while most his, his calling card is speed. He's better at forcing missed tackles by power than I expected. He's very, very good at running through contact and he's a lot more of a, an aggressive inside zone runner than I expected. With that being said, he's fantastic on the outside. He can use his speed and quickness to get around the corners, but I'm with you at times because Montgomery is a con converted receiver, um, it looked like he was clueless, especially in pass pro. Um, as a runner, like I said, better than I expected. Still has some learning curves to get through in terms of patience, seeing the hole, um, not necessarily just hitting it uh, right as he gets the ball. He can definitely become a little more patient behind the Packers offensive line. Um, but with that being said, he was definitely clueless at time in pass pro. In fact, in one of the games I charted Rogers against the Vikings, he... Times. Yeah. Um, one of the games against the Vikings I charted, he gave up three consecutive pressures on Aaron Rodgers, and I think two of which were in the sacks. Um, Montgomery didn't see the field again with Aaron Rodgers. In that game. Um, <laughs> needless to say, that is the biggest thing that is going to keep him, I think, keep him off the field this year. Um, the Packers would be really, really smart to run Montgomery 65, 70 percent of the snaps 
give him 10 to 12 carries and you know six to eight targets and let him really um, become kind of their Theo Riddick-ish. Um, I think he's a much better inside zone runner than Riddick um, and is a very good receiver. But yeah, I think Montgomery is the real deal. And the only saving grace and the only problem that I have right now with his game is in pass protection. But again, that's something he can work on and at least get marginally better at. Yeah, he was kind of fired into the the and, and as a running back last year, just purely because the Packers ended up with pretty much no running backs on the roster. They had Aaron Ripkowski, who ended up being nearly a second choice running back behind Montgomery. So Christine Michael was there as well for a period of time. But when you look at he came in and he was so raw. If he came in as a rookie last year and did what he did, I think we'd all be pretty much hyped about him heading into his second year. But because we have the idea that he was a wide receiver moving into the running back position, I think there's still that cloudiness in our minds of what he's going to turn out to and what he's going to be or whether he'll ever be moved back to the wide receiver position there's been talk that that could still possibly happen mid-season if say someone like Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb suffers an injury so it's gonna be interesting to see but I think there's probably a lot more uh, potential there than a lot of people realize as well uh, another player as well that you talked about this week was Todd Gurley and talking about why we all fell in love with him as a rookie I remember the first couple of games he came out he really did dominate his first uh, season and particularly the first half of it as a rookie but you know it's been a a tough sled for him, particularly last year under the Jeff Fisher regime. But now, new head coach coming in, there should be a new opportunity. He did talk last year about uh, Fisher's offense being a bit like a high school offense. So hopefully, things he's talking about how much he loves the new system. Do you think that this year we can see a big bounce back for Todd Gurley? And then, what did you see and take away from that rookie season that maybe we missed all, all of last season from him? I, Todd Gurley hit the nail on the head. Um, the 2016 Rams offense, I felt the same way. It looked from a conceptual standpoint of the way that they um, designed their, I guess, backfill between the quarterback and the running back. It looked like a high school offense at times. And there was uh, no sugarcoating it. Um, And it showed up in his yards created data um, compared to his rookie season in 2015, in which Gurley created 3.99 yards created per attempt. Gurley created just 2.62 yards per attempt in 2016 that is a 1.37 yard decrease per attempt in yards created year over year big problem was obviously the rams offensive line um in fact the rams o-line was 18 percent worse in terms of yards blocked per attempt per attempt compared to rookie uh Gurley's rookie season um look i really want to go back in on Gurley, right but for fantasy, it's it's tough um, in that late second round, early third round spot. Um, I still like a lot of the receivers that are on the board, particularly Doug Baldwin. Um, and I, I just think with all of the red flags surrounding Jared Goff, surrounding a new head coach, surrounding a new team that we aren't necessarily expecting to be um, competitive in their new uh, with, with under the new regime, it's tough for me to really bulk up and pay for the guy. Um, in fantasy football. But uh, again, we can hope that he can show glimpses of his rookie season because he was pretty pretty darn good in his rookie season. Yeah, and when you look at, you know, it's a team you mentioned you're not expecting to be competitive. I can't see them kind of trying to run Gurley to, to finish off many fourth quarters where they you know have a 10-point lead. I can't really see that happening. So game script could really go against them this season. And last year, uh, in a lot of drafts, I, I took him number four overall. I remember in quite a few leagues and. uh it ended up coming back to, to haunt me quite a bit and he didn't deliver so it is tough to make the plunge uh, at that there kind of late second round early third round ADP that he has at the moment but maybe as uh, 
the season goes on, I might take a few more chances at it. Doug, is Todd Gurley somebody who, obviously I think we were all a fan of him coming out of college and then when he did year one, but are, are you looking for that bounce back in 2017? Uh, you know, he, he may very well bounce back. I'm not too confident about it. Again, you have a new head coach, you have a new offense, but I'm still weary about just how effective Gurley could be. He did take a step back, but also just like Graham said, the offense at times was just anemic, I guess you could call it. it it's it's tough. That's been Especially nice. when you – yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, and, and, and it's tough because where Graham's talking about, you know, him being available like in the third, I know personally if he's available in the third, even if I don't have a running back yet, I'm probably going to pass on him just because I'm not comfortable investing in something like that. They still have Jared Goff at quarterback, who I'm hoping really does – make a make a leap this year i really hope he does improve but they still have some questions on their offensive line i think and there's nobody that really stands out in their skill positions besides you know the rookies who who knows how much we can expect from them like gerald everett or cooper cup or even robert woods who i think was vastly overpaid this offseason so it, it's just tough um i think that Gurley is going to be the the only guy who can actually do something on this offense at least that's what it looks like right now but you know i just i can't buy at his third round adp right now uh especially if that's still the case a month from now so that that's just my thing i'm i think he'll bounce back a little bit but just not enough where i think he's worth a third round pick yeah i agree with that and when when you look at this team you know i think they'll get better than what they showed last year as an nfl team but i think if you look at them as a as a fantasy football asset Outside of Gurley, I can't really see anyone on this team being very fantasy relevant in, in 2017. Would you agree with that, Graham? I mean, the Rams have a five and a half uh, Vegas win total right now. Only, I think the Jets, Browns, and the Niners have a lower win total. I mean, Vegas is completely out on this team, and um, there's a lot of really great data to back up. We want running backs that are on teams favored in Vegas. Um, I want to get back in on Gurley. I mean, like I said, he was great his rookie season. Um, he forced a missed tackle on 33% of his attempts. In 2015 as a rookie, last year that dipped to 18%. Um, it wasn't just the offensive line. It was Gurley too. And it's just really, really hard for me to go back in and invest in a player in the late second, early third round in fantasy football when you're not getting huge discount off of a really pretty poor and pretty um, – ceiling deficient 2016 season uh, you mentioned as well earlier martavis bryant as part of that pittsburgh steelers offense he currently uh, is going off the board around uh, 45th and drafts that kind of mid fourth round range coming off that suspension from last year um obviously a very very talented player no doubt about that uh, uh, freakishly athletic but with uh, him and going in that range of drafts is he somebody that you instantly are buying back into for 2017 or have you some have you some concerns just that he'll just slot back into what he was doing prior to his suspension it's definitely an unknown but I think pretty much everyone on the Steelers team has incredible upside just because it's the nature of their offense I mean they haven't really had any games together where Bryant Bell and AB and Big Ben are all healthy at once um we don't really know what the true ceiling of this Steelers offense is and I'm just crossing my fingers that we can get um, at least like 14 games this year out of all of those guys being on the field at the same time. 
Um, but yeah, in 2015, when Bryant played 13 games, and that includes the playoffs, he averaged 8.7 targets per game. And over the last three seasons, only 24 different receivers have averaged over eight and a half targets per game. So the, the ceiling is quite large for Bryant at his ADP. Um, it's definitely a home run swing. Um, I would be more inclined to draft Bryant in the fourth and fifth round if I already have two receivers so I can insulate his downside because, frankly, we know what his downside is. Um, if I have two really strong receivers that I feel good with, um, say Julio Jones, Doug Baldwin, um, and then I can swing for the fences in the fourth, fifth round with Martavis Bryant, I'm thrilled to do that. Yeah, Martavis Bryant's one of those kind of players in that fourth round range where he can easily win you a week with what he can put up on the field with maybe even one catch, maybe two catches. He can go for that long touchdown and uh, win you a week very, very simply there. So I think there's definitely that upside. And I think, as you mentioned, if you have two wide receivers already off the board, it's a very smart strategy if you're taking a player with that high upside maybe somebody's targeting somebody like Tyreek Hill you know you kind of need to you don't want him as your number one wide receiver but if you have him as your number three it's a real benefit there Doug with him with you know the the lack of maybe a tight end option we we know that they have Bell and Brown as well but it is kind of those three guys that we're looking at this season to have that fantasy every week relevance in Pittsburgh are you high on Bryant as well I guess high is probably the wrong word to use there um no but i i think that like graham said he's he's a huge home run swing where and perfectly how he put it we know what his downside is (laughs) or his or his floor is but we know what his ceiling is too and you know i i think that the only thing that's going to stop this steelers offense is themselves because the biggest thing with them is not inconsistency or, or whatever the case is, if they're on the field, they produce the numbers. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see because Brian was dealing with injury issues beforehand, just like every person that walks through the door that's a skill player for the Steelers, it seems. Um, so it, it's just interesting to see. But you, you talk about Brown, Bell, Bryant, um, you know, Ben. But then, you know, and like you said, if they had a guy like Ladarius Green there, who was healthy, and we saw what he did last season. I'm going to ride that train forever. You saw what he did last season when he finally was on the field, and he did quite well. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see. I'm also wondering what's going to happen with um, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, just because I think he's really an interesting sort of X factor here. I wonder if they're going to try and squeeze him in the slot or if they're going to try and keep him as that primary outside guy and stick Eli Rogers in the slot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But I think that, like I said, the, the Steelers' offense, they're their own worst enemy. As long as they're healthy and they have an elite offensive line like we've seen, um, who knows what could happen. We could see many, many, you know, more than three guys in this in this offense, potentially, that have very fantasy-relevant numbers in 2017. Uh, when we move on to the next one, it's a Twitter question that came in. It came in from Parik Rose, and it actually came in last week, so I'm glad to be getting around to it. Sometimes we get Twitter questions where we don't fit them in on the show, but he was asking about second-year turnaround candidates, and last year, obviously, Melvin Garden, he didn't have a great rookie season. He had a very, very productive year last year as a running back at that time for the San Diego Chargers, now the LA Chargers, but you know, when you're looking at what he did, he had 833 yards as a rookie, no touchdowns last year, 1,400 
and 16 yards and 12 touchdowns. So is there any players this season, uh, Graham, that you see with the possibility of a, a major turnaround, you know, that we're kind of down on at the moment uh, coming out of their rookie year? You know, there's players that didn't even really make the field last year, players like uh, Josh Doxon, Laquan Treadwell, and then Tyler Boyd, somebody in Cincinnati who was an interesting option last year and still I think is interesting, but he's a player who's going well, well beyond, uh, you know, the, the top 100 of ADP at the moment. Uh, I think Melvin Gordon was a really special case last year where he was going in the sixth to eighth round and some summer drafts he was going in the eighth round and he was an obvious positive regression candidate. Um, Obviously, he scored zero touchdowns in his rookie season um, and had nearly a thousand yards rushing Um, or a thousand total yards. Excuse me. You know, the thing is, those types of players only pop up like maybe once every three to four years. And I don't think. Uh, there's an obvious Melvin Gordon type candidate this year. Um, I think we can maybe shoehorn in Paul Perkins or Kenneth Dixon, but Perkins is on a kind of crowded depth chart and plays with or plays under a head coach that uh, typically uses running back by committees. Kenneth Dixon is obviously suspended for the start of the season. Um, am I allowed to go with a third-year player for this? Yeah. Because yeah. I have a good we'll, third-year player. We'll, just, we'll say then, uh, unfortunately, there is no rookie breakouts or post-rookie breakouts, but uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, go, let's go for the third-year player. Sometimes I was kind of thinking of this question, and that was kind of – I find some players that are uh, third- and fourth-year players I think still could break out, but I'll let you go. Definitely. Um, like I said, I mean, these second-year guys, it's just – it was so – um, so nice to get a Melvin Gordon type player in the sixth, seventh, eighth round last year. Um, I'll go third year player with Brashad Perriman. Um, and this is a train I have been riding to my own detriment. Um, <laughs> Stay on unfortunately, but then. yeah, you kind of have to take it again. I mean, he's going in the 12th and 14th round and let's face it. Baltimore has a 339 targets available going into the season. They don't really have a tight end right now. And Joe Flacco uh, over the last two years has been one of the most voluminous passing quarterbacks in all of the NFL. Um, before he tore his ACL in 2015, he was on pace for 660 pass attempts. And last year he threw the ball 670 times. Um, Baltimore says they want to run the ball more, but that's a nice plan until you get punched in the mouth. Uh, Baltimore <laughs> hasn't been able to run the ball over the last couple of years because they don't have a foundation running back. Uh, Terrence West is, uh, you know, a good rotational player, but not necessarily someone you want to be your workhorse. Kenneth Dixon is, again, suspended. And Danny Woodhead is a better receiver than rusher. They're going to have to throw a lot. They have a lot of available targets open. And I fully expect Baltimore to be, once again, even though they may be a slightly more run-heavy this year, there's no doubt about that they can at least try. Um, but again, I fully expect the Ravens to be voluminous once again. So Brashad Perriman, 12th, 14th, uh, sometimes even in the 15th round in 10-team leagues, Worth that home run swing one last time, and I, I hope it pays off this time. Yeah, certain players like that are always worth that kind of – at that price, you know, you're not expecting a huge amount. And if he delivers what he could be, you know, a number one outside receiver, that, you know, is huge, huge upside at that point. He's a player who sometimes when he, you know, makes a grab, you think, wow, that's just so, so impressive. And then there's other times when you wonder, does this guy even – he fits sometimes for me into that Carderell Patterson mode where I don't know if he understands what he's trying to do. But when we're going for players that are, uh, you know – older and maybe a few years in uh, I'm, I'm big I'm still you're talking about trains I'm still on the John Brown train up in uh, Arizona so he's going into his fourth year so hopefully there's a big bounce back from him this year Doug have you any players uh, we'll just give you an open range of uh, bounce back candidates for this season 
<laughs> you going to go I'm for green? Second year player. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm actually going to go with a second year player. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to he's going to make some huge turnaround, but considering what we saw last year from him at the start of the season, you have to wonder what he can do. And that's uh, Will Fuller, actually. Um, when you look at the situation, he was on fire the first, first two three weeks, weeks maybe. First two yeah, weeks. Yeah, first two. Yeah, okay, fine, two weeks. But we saw what he can do, though. His biggest issue, I think, when coming into the league was, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, was his hands. He, he, he had, you know, drop issues. He has small hands, whatever, you know, the whole small hands argument again. Um, but we saw what he could do. He, I think he had two straight weeks of over 100 yards and I think at least one touchdown. Because I remember after after week one, I said, uh, that's not going to happen again this week. And it, it happened again that week. So, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that, you know, when you look at the situation, he had Brock Osloff throwing so There's nowhere to go but up. Uh, now, granted, you have either Tom Savage or a rookie Deshaun Watson throwing to you. Where I'm not saying that there's going to be some big improvement, but I have to wonder if Will Fuller, considering that they really didn't add anybody uh, as a playmaker that can actually catch the ball, I don't think Dante is going to be a major threat in the, the receiving game. But they, you know, they they really didn't add anybody beyond that. So I think that Will Fuller really has a chance to stick on the outside as their number two guy. Obviously, you're, you're fighting with Fedorowitz. Um, you know, Lamar Miller a little bit, and Hopkins, obviously, for for targets. But I think that Will Fuller could be that type of, maybe a, a, at his peak, at least this season, I think he could be a better Ted Ginn, where, or at least a more consistent Ted Ginn, which it's, it's hard to pinpoint, but I think that he could have more of these home run games. He could be a solid DFS player, or, you know, a best ball target, where he could just go off for one, two, three, whatever weeks, because he's already got an improved situation, I think, at the quarterback position, and he didn't really have any chemistry with Osweiler. It was he was a rookie. Osweiler was a first-year quarterback in that offense, so it's the same sort of situation again. But Fuller has a year under his belt, and we saw what he could do at his at his peak, at least. So I, I have I have a feeling that he could improve a little bit. I'm not saying some catastrophic improvement, but if I'm going to buy a guy late in in NFL or fantasy drafts, I'm going to go with a guy like Will Fuller. And uh, you mentioned there he actually made Brock Osweiler look good for two weeks, so I guess anything is possible. Uh, when we look at uh, some ADP players now, we're going to try and run through these as swiftly as possible. Looking at these players, I've gone with the PPR ADPs for them all, and I'm going to give you a couple of players and then let you pick uh, which one you'd prefer. The first one up has two players, and it's uh, in the late second round, and I think I might already know which one. Graham touched on him earlier, so I think he might be one of his favorite candidates this year, but Doug Baldwin or Brandon Cooks. Uh, which one, Graham, would you be jumping for there as you look in the late second round? Oh, man, you know me too well. It's Doug Baldwin. Um, <laughs> over Yeah, over his last, like, 26 games Doug Baldwin has averaged six catches and nearly 80 yards on eight targets per game um, he's in that span he's averaged 18.7 PPR points per game and Mike Evans led all receivers or excuse me he was second among all receivers last year in points per game at 18.75 uh, Baldwin has basically been a top four or five fantasy receiver for uh, the last 30 games of his career, and he's not getting the respect that he deserves. So, yeah, it's an easy call for me. That's Doug Baldwin there. Yeah, from that kind of halfway through uh, the season, two seasons ago, when the him and Russell Wilson just really tore it up over the last couple of weeks, I think he might have broke 
the record for touchdowns over a consecutive streak of games uh, really really dominant there and he's continued to do so so I'm, I'm going that way and obviously with Branton Cooks up in New England and lots of mice to feed and I'm not the biggest Branton Cooks fan to start with I'm going that way too Doug I'm going to let you go next on this one and uh, it's the mid to late ninth round we're looking at and you have two old guys here we'll call them the, call them the old guys two running backs Matt Forte and Jonathan Stewart obviously Stewart uh, with competition from the rookie and uh, in, in, uh, Christian McCaffrey up there in Carolina and then of course you have Matt Forte he also has Bilal Powell and then Elijah Maguire has come in this year in the draft too out of those two guys uh, any of those take your fancy or maybe you just don't like either of those two guys I don't know uh, yeah I mean uh, I, I mean I, I don't like either of those guys I'll make it clear to start with but you I'm going to sk- pick you can one skip anyway. if you want well I'll make a pick but I want another selection too so I can make a definitive one um I'll say Stewart just because I think he has more um, more of a chance to have an impact in the red zone. I, I think that people are going to be surprised uh, in New York at how much Elijah McGuire gets work, at least on third downs. Um, I think I've said this from I don't even know how long, but he, to me, looked like the most polished and ready receiving running back in the entire draft. Um, and I think he's going to have a lot of work. Um, on third downs, and I think Bilal Powell is going to take a lot of work on early downs. I just don't see – the only reason Forte is still in the roster is how much money they owe him. It's all guaranteed, I believe, up up until next year. So I, I, I'm going to say Stewart, but I'm going to say it reluctantly um, just because I think Stewart has a chance to at least make an impact um, in the red zone and actually get a, a you know more chance of, of getting touchdowns. Yeah, I, I'm I'm more of a Jay Stu fan, and I've always thought between the twenties. I've said that lots of times in the podcast. That between the twenties, uh, he's as good sometimes as you'll see in the NFL, just with Cam Newton carrying the ball in inside the red zone as uh, an issue for him. <laughs> Cam kind of vulturing all those touchdowns. We'll see. I still think he's going to get a lot more uh, roles and responsibilities this year than people expect with them taking McCaffrey so high and Matt Forte. I've since he went to New York, I was off that bandwagon. Obviously, we know how dominant he was when he was in Chicago, and he started the season last year in phenomenal form up until around October. But uh, I, I've been more of a Bilal Powell buyer over the last two to three seasons, particularly in dynasty leagues. And I think this year is his opportunity in New York. It's going to sink or swim for him. I think he'll get the opportunity at the start of the year to lead that backfield. Out of those two guys, uh, are you targeting either of those, or are you just bypassing them both? I'm I'm actually going to target Matt Forte. Um, just because I'm not entirely sure what J2's role is anymore. Um, Cam is always involved in the red zone, and Chris McCaffrey, I think, will um, be kind of a jack-of-all-trades and do a little bit of everything for Carolina. Uh, I get it. The Jets are not going to be a very good team this year. In fact, I think they're probably the odds-on favorite to have the number one pick in the 2018 draft. Um, but before Matt Forte injured his knee in week 14, he outsnapped Belil Powell in nine of 12 games by an average margin of nearly 13 snaps per contest. Um, this happens every single year where we want to rule out the guy who's 31, nearly 32. I believe Forte turns 32 in December um, and boost up the guy who only has one season in which he's seen over 200 touches, and that's Belil Powell. Um, I think it's definitely possible that Powell and Forte kind of flip in a sense that Powell becomes the 50 to 55, 60% snap player and Forte dips down to 40%. But um, yeah, I'd be a little bit surprised if the Jets just kind of outright cut 
uh, Forte this year just because they don't really have anything else on their depth chart at running back. And I, I think it's definitely possible Powell kind of becomes the 1A to Forte's 1B, but um, I, I still kind of want to bank on the guy who has a track record, albeit he's older now, but a track record a pretty decent fantasy success. Yeah, there's a, it's a very good track record when you look back at it. And you mentioned going to a kind of 60-40 split in favor of Powell. I'm looking at more of a zero RB uh, strategy. And if, if I'm getting uh, Powell, you know, this year, obviously, you're not going to get him as late as you were last year. But I think if he gets that 60% workload, I think that I would be pretty happy with that based on how I value my running backs. When you look down at this last one, there's three options for this because I kind of tied them all in. They're all kind of speedsters. Uh, tied them all in in the 14th round. They're all going in the same range. We have Tyler Lockett of the Seahawks, Kenny Stills off the Dolphins, and then uh, Doug mentioned him earlier, Ted Ginn Jr. now off the New Orleans Saints. It's going to be interesting to see how him and Drew Brees link up. But in that 14th round, uh, Doug, I'm going to let you have first go at this here. Who are you taking out of those three? Yeah, I mean... One maybe a year ago, I wouldn't have said this guy, but I think now I think he's the clear cut, at least for me, um, based off of those three. And, and that's uh, Kenny Stills. Um, and the reason for that one, not only did they spend a good amount of money to bring him back this offseason, I don't remember. I think it was a three year over $10 million contract, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I know I know the, the Dolphins passing offense is it is what it is. You know, you, you look at, you know, this offense, it's going to run through JJ. It's getting better. It's getting better. No, it's, it, it is. And I, I'm still a believer to some extent in Devontae Parker. But I, I think that obviously this is going to become a more of a run centric offense. Um, you know, I think that Tannehill is going to settle into more of a, I don't know, maybe a, a better, maybe a slightly better version of an Alex Smith. Uh, that's just my opinion where he's more of a mobile game manager. That's just me. But I, I think that Kenny Stills is really going to be that number one or at least 1A to Devontae Parker's 1B sort of uh, receiver in this offense. Um, and I, I think that Stills has access to the most consistent or the most amount of targets out of those three guys. Um, Lockett's really a, a wild card. We want him to succeed. We hope he will, but, you know, he's coming off another injury, I believe. Um, and you got Curse to worry about, who I think is really the number two guy. And then you have Jimmy Graham as well. Um, and then just Ted Ginn is, is just, he's the, he, he's, I, I don't know, he's a boomer bust guy. And there's still plenty of mouths to feed in New Orleans. I think that Kenny Stills is the highest up on any of those, uh, those three guys, at least when it comes to team depth charts. And um, I just think he's going to have the best access to, targets and uh, ability to actually make fantasy points out of it you, you mentioned earlier obviously um that you you like doug baldwin quite a bit graham and you know that probably takes you a little bit off tyler lockett doug mentioned he is coming back off that injury then kenny stills he has been a solid contributor in the touchdown department over the last couple of seasons and doug you mentioned ted ginn there and you mentioned as well earlier uh, will fuller maybe uh, ted ginn's an older version of will fuller because they both have they both have a lot of deep speed but kind of struggle sometimes to catch the ball when they get into that area for cam newton last year must have been so frustrating it was five or six times where again just couldn't catch the ball wide open for long touchdowns so out of those three who who are you taking this year i agree i think it's stills um over the past two years Devonte parker has averaged 8.4 ppr points per game whereas kenny stills has been right behind him at 8.0 ppr points per game they've averaged nearly the same amount of receptions 
and yards. Uh, Stills has seen 15% of the Dolphins' targets over the last two years, whereas Devontae Parker has seen 18%. Uh, Parker was definitely more involved last year as a receiver, and I think he can certainly improve on that in his third season. But Stills is still a great deep threat, still a candidate to have uh, multiple weeks in which he scores 15-plus PPR points. Um, But at that point, with that grouping of receivers there, it's kind of more of a, I want to say, like an NFL 10 best ball uh, type of thing where you uh, don't have to set a weekly roster if you want to target one of those guys. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily target any of them outside of like deeper 14, 16 team leagues. Uh, but with that being said, I think Stills and Gen are the two clear targets at that point. And Tyler Lockett, unfortunately, uh, just hasn't been able to carve out a consistent role for himself in the Seahawks offense, um, even when he's healthy. Yeah, this time last year, there was a lot of hope for Tyler Lockett and uh, obviously he suffered an injury in the preseason, kind of held him back. I think it was a PCL injury then at the end of the season when he was starting to get things going. I think it might have been the last game of the regular season, suffered that broken leg. So we'll see if he can uh, bounce back this year. He's someone who I always like coming into the league, an explosive playmaker, but just hasn't really uh, seen the opportunity or hasn't delivered in that Seahawks offense. Uh, Kenny Stills, you know, you mentioned there, Doug, with the, the offense, nice that it's getting better, the passing game for Miami. I think Ryan Tannehill was taking a nice step forward last year prior to his injury, and, you know, you have Devontae Parker, you also have Jarvis Landry there to help move the chains, and then you have uh, Kenny Stills, as you mentioned. So there's there's lots of options there. I think they're going to go more of a run-based offense this year, but then that also opens things up for uh, attempts down the field as well. So we'll see how the Dolphins do, but quietly, uh, Adam Gase, I think, is doing a, a solid job there after one year down in Miami and that there will kind of wrap us up towards the end of the show Uh, Graham it's been excellent having you on and all the listeners should already be following you but if they aren't they can follow you on Twitter at Graham Barfield get all the great work there that you're doing with uh, Fantasy Guru and of course Roto World I always say the Twitter handle is the best way to find out exactly what somebody's got going on because pretty much where people post everything they're doing uh, throughout their day or throughout their week of uh, work or posting articles podcasts and so on so uh, Graham have you anything else uh, that you'd like to plug as we start to wrap up the show here sure uh first of all thanks for having me on guys um yeah you can check out all of my work at fantasyguru.com and if you're interested in subscribing uh for the first time or you're a returning subscriber running an awesome promotional code real quick um you can use my last name b-a-r-f-i-e-l-d 17 and save 15 percent off of your fantasyguru.com subscription again that is good for New subscribers, it is good for old subscribers, and you can use it right now to save 15%. Guys, it was great talking to you this afternoon. I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. No problem, and obviously uh, that's a great offer. Anyone that's interested, be sure and check out fantasyguru.com. That code again is barfield17. I definitely recommend doing that this week. And uh, Doug obviously is on Twitter as well, at NFL. I know he's recording uh, one of the Locker Room Guys podcasts later on tonight, so be sure and look for that on his Twitter feed over the next couple of days. I'm on Twitter as well, at Overtime Ireland. I mentioned a few times in the show as well that uh, Rotoviz uh, RV32 covering all the 32 teams with beat writers from all around the NFL. Lots of great hosts and all with the Rotoviz team, so be sure and check that out on Twitter as well. And of course, until I'm back next week with Doug for another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.